this week on The Inswinger. And I think what he's been able to create is an atmosphere that allows individuals to thrive in a system that he has created. And that's something that's really hard to do when you're a mid-table team. He said it was disgrace, but didn't say exactly what he disagreed with, which is not really fair. I'm more worried about the injuries than the tactics. But I think it was probably the most unconvincing 4-1 I've ever seen. I mean, it worst them. Worst hat trick of all time. <laughs> all right, welcome back to the In Swinger Season 3, Episode 10. I'm Charlie DiMatteo, joined alongside... Harrison McGlashan. We had a wild weekend of Premier League action capped off by an insane London derby at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium last night between Chelsea and Spurs. Luton almost pulled off a shock upset. Arsenal lost their first game of the year. Forest continued their good form. Uh, we're going to get into all of that and more this week. But Harrison, I think we have to start in North London. It was the return of Poch. I mean, what a game. I don't even know where to start. Take me through that mental game last night. Oh, man. It's... Uh you're right, Charlie. It's 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 <laughs> difficult to know where to start with this. I mean, what a game. It was it was absolute chaos. I think this game tells us more about Spurs than it does about Chelsea. And, you know, Ange was asked after the game about playing that high line with nine men, which I had never seen before. Mm. And he has been criticized for it. But, you know, he clearly doesn't care. Doesn't and and I toss. and I think that's so interesting. You know, he said that's how we're going to play as long as I'm here. You know, he could be down to five men. He's, he's going to have a go. And I think in a way that's admirable. I think a lot of people have said, oh, it's stupid, it's naive. Some people thought it was genius because it frazzled Chelsea. I don't really think it's any of those things. I just think it's what he believes just, in. Yeah. I don't think he worries about the opposition. I think all he cares about is his team and how his team's going to play, and he's always going to play to win. And I think that's admirable in a way. So... I was curious at halftime if they would try to hang on, sort of like Liverpool did against them when they were down to 10 men. Uh, but, but they, they didn't. They, they, they went for it. And, and I think that's so interesting, you know. And I think it did sort of frazzle Chelsea. They didn't really know what to do. It took them, I mean, let's be clear, it took them a while. Yeah. To, to get through. Chances get went begging. Like, they missed, they were missing a lot of chances. And yeah. they were like, could they? And, and we already know that about Chelsea, right? We know that they are wasteful in front of goal because, you know, uh, they don't really have many clinical finishers. We sort of talked about this last week. I think from Chelsea's perspective, they, they couldn't have asked for a better opportunity yeah. to beat Spurs. So to be fair to them, they took their chance. They, they did win the game. But I think it was probably the most unconvincing 4-1 I've ever seen. I mean, it worst, took them... Worst hat-trick of all time. <laughs> it took them a while to get through. Uh, it certainly wasn't as straightforward as the scoreline suggests. So they did miss opportunities. Uh, in the end, they were able to get in behind and score a couple of goals. So, you know, and to be fair to them, I thought they were in the game before the red cards. I thought they were, you know, they weren't the better team, but they, they were there. You know, they were certainly in the game. Uh, and they had a goal ruled out from, you know, that, that offside with the Caicedo goal. I mean, there's so much VAR stuff. I don't even know where to start with that. I mean, I think it's more interesting to focus on the game itself. Um, I don't think they win the game if it stays 11 no. v 11, uh, but but they were in it. I think we would have definitely seen a different game had Adagi and Romero stayed on the pitch. But, you know, it's one of those where Chelsea won't care. You know, they really won't. And, and Pochettino sort of spun it quite positively. Um, you know, Jackson got his hat trick. I mean, you know, it's good to see if you're Chelsea. 
maybe this is a platform now for them to build up. Maybe it's the confidence they needed. Uh, but I think it's it's in a way it's kind of more of the same in that yeah they missed a lot of chances they looked a bit frazzled uh, they they just look like a team that is a bit young and naive and and is learning and and you know that that's going to take time so it's it's a big result uh, but it wasn't necessarily a big performance if you're if you're Chelsea yeah if you look if it, if you would have told a Chelsea fan that you were going to win four one and hand Spurs their first defeat all season and Nicholas Jackson was going to score a hat trick. You would have said this is the result of the season. Yeah. But there's so much more context behind it. I don't think they were in the game. I'm not as positive on their performance before the red cards than you are. I thought Spurs were all over them prior to the red cards. Yes, they had a couple of chances. They were pressing well up the pitch. But I thought Spurs were playing through them so easily. They looked so good going forward. And Chelsea kind of looked like they were just going to get passed by. I don't think there's a chance they would have won this game had they stayed... 11 v 11 I think yes they were positive signs but I really don't think you can look too much into this result for Chelsea the one thing I will take away from it is you know if we're looking at this Tottenham team seriously as a title contender Ange's philosophy can't be this strict there is something to be said for being this positive expansive team at all times in the game but to say that at nine men, I'm sorry, it is naive, and it's a little bit like, are really like you don't think maybe they would have sat back and absorbed pressure and lost anyway. And in that part of Andrew's mind, he's saying, you know, I'm here to entertain the fans. I'm here to try to score goals. Doesn't matter how many players are on the pitch, but you were just asking for it to to get you know scored on. And I think that's a bit of a worry if you're Tottenham. I don't think it's a massive sign for concern because you're not going to be with nine men all the time. And they've shown that at 11 v 11, the way they play, it's going to work. And they're going to be effective. That being said, this game was almost a nightmare. Uh, I mean, it was a nightmare for Spurs, but Mickey Van Deven did his hamstring. Who knows how long he's going to be out for. Romero suspended for the next three games. They've got some huge fixtures coming up. And Madison went off injured. So, like, not even the result. result. You're down to nine men. Is what it is. The fans appreciated the performance and the endeavor showed by the players. But you are now without, if we were talking about arguably the three most important players, Madison was definitely one of them. Van de Ven probably was the most important. and Because they have no depth at center half. I mean, Emerson was playing center back. Yeah, for, they, don't, they don't have a fourth guy that they can call on. So that's a major worry. I'm more worried about the injuries than the tactics, I think, because yeah, absolutely. I, I think I respect Ange for saying this is the way we play. I do think it's him being a bit stubborn because I think there's sure. a part of him that could have trusted his guys a bit more to sit in and maybe saw the game out because – it's not like Chelsea are prolific at breaking down low blocks. Like, they've no. struggled with no, that. They have, yeah. So my my issue arises when it's like that's the other option. You, you test Chelsea's resolve against the low block, but instead he gave them countless opportunities with no one in behind. And it's just like... Really, that—that's what you—you yeah. you thought up. I mean, it's there's 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 sticking to your guns and your philosophy regardless of the context, and then there's doing that with nine men and just ending the game. And it just felt like there and was a also, weird balance there. I think the an important thing to note is it was one-one, right? It's yeah. not like they were already losing and then might as well go for right. it. Like I don't have a problem with that at all. You know, if you're if you're down two-one, and it, let's be. It nearly worked. It did. They had a few chances, and I think it's also important to note that. I don't think it works to hold a high line against the better teams in this league. I, I mean, I think it could have been seven if you're playing mm-hmm. City 
or, and maybe he would have changed. I don't think he would have, but maybe. Uh, Chelsea are a team that struggles to score goals. So it was nearly. I think. I think if this go, if if Bentancourt puts that in, yeah. and it's two two, you're saying it's stroke. a stroke of genius, yeah. right? So it's such a it's a game of fine margins. I, I just I think it's interesting. I think also one thing I wanted to note is like they have started so well, and I think everybody's starting to say this is kind of like Arsenal last season. Like this could be a huge opportunity for Spurs, not necessarily to like win the title, but to have a a, a top four, top three even season where none of us thought that was the case. Mm. I think if this season were playing out like we thought it would have, there wouldn't have been much no, you're scrutiny right. because yep. this is such a big opportunity, we think, for Ange and his team to to have an incredible season and then even build from there yeah. and get that depth. So I think it's Expectations it's have changed. Right, yeah. exactly. The expectation is different. So, yeah, I mean, you're right. He, he, he is stubborn, uh, and, and that did come back to bite him in the end because they were really... Even though it's Chelsea and they struggle to score, they were always going to get a goal. Yeah. I think that was pretty obvious. They were getting in behind. They were just looping it over to Sterling, across the. They scored the same goal twice. Yeah, just across to Jackson. So, yes, it, it, it didn't work. Uh, but you know, he doesn't care, and I, no. I just think that's so interesting. Um, I also think it was really refreshing to hear his take, especially after the Arteta situation, which we'll get into later on the refereeing situation, because yeah. this game was littered with VAR decisions. I might add. I don't think VAR actually got anything wrong. It was just the continuous stop-start nature of the game and the fact that the game was so highly contested and and high-tempered didn't help with that because there were challenges flying in. But to hear Ange say, at some point, you have to respect the referee's decision and let them have the power or else they're not going to have any power and we're we're stuck in this mess. And he actually said something further, like, it's on the managers, too, to not be so outspokenly against them because that just creates this narrative that spreads to the fan base and the players and it breeds all this negativity. So to hear Poch, uh, sorry, Ange say that was massively refreshing given what Arteta did after right. the Newcastle game, totally which we'll different. get into. And and also, I, uh, he mentioned that when there is all this scrutiny going on, you're having them forensically analyze yeah. each decision, which takes a while. Yeah. It's an excellent point, right? We, we want the game to flow better. Everybody's been saying that. Probably more unlikely to happen when you're uh, hammering referees, and everybody does it, including him. He said that. Yeah. Because they're probably way more nervous to get the decision wrong yeah right so they have they're 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 analyzing it for longer which which slows down the game so (laughs) you know kind of a double-edged sword it's it's what do you want to value the correct decision or the flow of the game that's the question all right moving on to uh arsenal and newcastle this is a big game i mean newcastle are rising in form obviously they've lost tonali um arsenal still hadn't lost a game up to this point that changed anthony gordon your boy uh ex-boy i should say uh bagged the winner That goal was littered with controversy. Did the ball go out of play? Was Saliba fouled? Uh, Was there an offside? I think everything was questioning that, and it all went, they all got checked, and it all said it was okay. And I don't think Mikel Arteta's response, I'll give my take in a second. What did you make of his response and the result overall? Is this this more of a worry on the surface because of how Arteta reacted, or is that kind of just his his nature? I, I didn't like it. I really didn't like it. I, I, I think it was really poor form from him, and even worse from Arsenal with the statement after the game, after his rant. Um, you know, it, listen, here's my take on the actual decision. VAR couldn't prove that the ball was in. There's no definitive evidence. We looked at a bunch of angles. Sometimes it looks out, sometimes it looks in. Stuck with the on-field decision. I think that's, that's exactly what they should be doing. I, I had no issue 
with that. And then there was also same thing for the offside. No definitive evidence that, that it was offside. The challenge on Gabrielle is, is what is most controversial, in my opinion. Now, honestly, I'm having trouble with this one, too, because you've got guys like, you know, former defenders like Carragher and Neville who think it's soft, mm. and they play it at the highest level. And then here in the States, we've got broadcasters like Robbie Earl and Robbie Musto who played at the, the other end of the pitch, who were, who were forwards, and they thought it was a foul. So, you know, it's just, it's, it's one of those, right? I, I honestly don't know. I, I often do have an opinion with these challenges, but, like, you've got people who've played at the highest level on both sides saying different things. So I have no issue with them actually giving the goal. I understand Arteta's frustration, right? I mean, I've been frustrated with the referees. But I think what, what confused me is, you know, he said it was a disgrace, but didn't say exactly what he disagreed with. Right, which is which is not really fair in my opinion. Like if you said like that's totally a foul, like he didn't even point that out. Yeah. It's just like it's a disgrace. There are many things. It's like why are you being so vague about it? Yeah. If you're so confident, you know, point out uh, exactly what you thought was wrong, and then we can we can analyze that. So it was really odd and unproductive in my opinion. I don't really think that gets us anywhere. And Arsenal's statement they released was yeah. embarrassing too. Embarrassing, exactly. So I would like to see him talk about why his team couldn't score and create yeah. chances because yeah. they didn't. They weren't great offensively. No. I thought uh, the things they did well, they battled hard. Uh, they matched Newcastle physically, which is impressive in a way. Uh, I think Robbie Earl actually, going back to him, made a really good point on, on his podcast that I think Arsenal this season are – um, less fluid, but yeah. have more fight, right? So will that get them a title? I don't know. Right now, probably not. I don't no. I don't think they're playing that well. They look dangerous at times, but I'm still waiting for them to really hit their stride this season. Yeah, I, and we've been saying that all yeah. year. Right, right. I think the takeaway from this is I have question marks over Arteta's bottle. And what I mean by that is, like, we've always seen how high... There's a reason I gave him most likely to have a Karen episode at Starbucks. This is why. It's because stuff like this. He just had a Karen episode. He's like, it's a disgrace to the league. It's all this. It's that. It's like, you are losing your head completely over a game you didn't play well in. No. And we've been saying you haven't been playing well all year. So what does that mean? Because maybe he's getting so caught up in the intensity of the game, as it's expected. It's professional sport we're talking about. But I just worry about Arsenal's lack of ability to get to where they were last year. And the way City are going, the way Liverpool are going, I just don't think you can say that they're any closer to a title than they were last year. No. And that's kind of a worry because you thought with the signings they made that they should be closer. And Rice has been brilliant and the Timber injury stinks, but... I'm going to come back to this Havertz. I mean, Havertz should have been sent off to this game. He wasn't. He hasn't. still hasn't shown anything. It's November, and he still hasn't shown really anything. That falls on him. Arteta backed Kai Havertz, and now we're not seeing anything out of that. And I think there's a real cause for concern with Raya. One thing nobody's mm. talking about is Raya's lack of awareness in the goal because everyone's talking about the decisions. Maybe Arteta wanted to shield criticism from him and brought all the attention on the referees, but I think that's weak. I think it's weak. I think I it's agree. weak, and I think it's distasteful um, comparing Arteta's response and Ange's response. And just now Arsenal have to respond in the league. and you know, Show us what you're made of. Losing away at St. No. James's is not the end of the world. No. Tough freaking place to go. I get that. But the manner of the defeat and the interview and the way their season has gone doesn't sit well with me in confidently saying that they're going to go on and win the league. And that's that was the next step. 
You spend big in the summer window after just falling short. You're back in the Champions League. The next step is winning the league. And there aren't enough signs pointing towards that. If anything, there are more signs pointing towards they're going to take a regression and I don't know what the next step is. So there's a bit of cause concern for Arsenal. As for uh, Liverpool, you know, are they title contenders? They went to Luton, not an easy place to go, but Luton haven't really figured it out yet. But it looked like this was the kind of performance that could keep them in the league. You know, they were tough to play against, scored a great goal on the counter. Um, Liverpool scored a great goal to equalize. Harvey Elliott whipped in a great ball for Luis Diaz to score. Crazy circumstance for Diaz, whose father is, was kidnapped. So is his mother. They, they got his mother back, but his father is still kidnapped. So for him to be playing yeah. is amazing, unreal. And for him to score a crucial goal is even is even more uh, unbelievable. That happened. What to make of this result, both sides of the coin? Because I think the relegation conversation this year is not as... I think entertaining as it was last year. Like I remember last year, every week it was we didn't know which way it was gonna go. Yeah. Kind of seems like there are four teams and then the rest. Um, with that's Burnley, the three promoted teams, Burnley, Luton, Sheffield United, and then Bournemouth yeah. seem to be really struggling. There seems to be a gap between them and then the Everton's, Fulham's, Forest, Forest West Ham even now drop in form. Do you think Luton could get more results like this and potentially stay up when it didn't look like that at the beginning yeah, of the year? I think I think Luton have been the uh, most impressive out of the promoted sides. I, I, I really do, and I didn't expect them to be. Uh, yeah. I mean, listen, they're not good, <laughs> you no. know, but they're better than I thought they'd be. And I think this game, you can draw a parallel. I, I haven't, listen, I've watched Liverpool for, you know, 90 minutes against Everton, and I, and I watched them against Luton, and I, and I saw parallels. Yeah. They struggled to get a goal against both of those teams who sat back and frustrated them. So that's a concern especially with all that attacking talent on the pitch. They couldn't find the breakthrough. Listen, Nunes has to score that, Yeah. right? He's just such an so enigma, that he, guy. He's just, I mean, I've seen people say one week he looks like a, a, a top-class striker, the next week he looks like a non-league player. Well, it's the one clip against Bournemouth in the Cup. He had a trampoline touch, yeah. but then he brought it in 10 yards and unleashed a thunder bastard into the top right corner. Yeah. It's like, that's him in a nutshell. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So it's just... Oh, there's such a, it's it's weird with Liverpool. No, I don't think they're title contenders. Okay. And I, and I haven't thought that this season. Um, I, I actually think the midfield concerns are are much less. I think McAllister is kind of going under the radar yeah, in that sixth role. I didn't think that. I don't think that's his best position. But I think he's doing a really good job. And I think the midfield's been fine. And so it's weird. I just don't think they have enough. I think games like these, games like Everton. Yes, they beat Everton, but we were down to ten men. I think they're they might they're they're prone to results like these where teams sit deep and they might get hit on the counter because their defense isn't quite as good as it has been in previous years uh, and maybe that's due to the lack of uh, you know loss of Henderson and Fabinho which we've sort of discussed. So yes, I, I think they're prone to results like these and I think that will cost them and I just don't think they are I just don't think they're at the level yet that they were with that title winning team that they had. I think they, they have potential to get there eventually, just not this season for me. I, I just don't think that they're there yet. They've got great players all over the pitch, but they're just not as good as City. It, it's no. as simple as that. And, and you have to be so, so good to win the title these days. This, is, this isn't like sort of the 90s and, and, and the mid-naughties, <laughs> as they say, um, where you can win it with 75 points. You know, you like have the, to get 90. You, you have to accumulate so many points to win a league in this day and age and they're just they're not there yet for me 
Yeah, I, I think with Liverpool, you know, cycles come and go in terms of competing for a league. And I think they had a, a couple crucial decisions to be made this past summer in Henderson leaving and Fabinho leaving and, you know, Salah's new contract or him leaving. But it all comes down to Klopp. And if Jurgen Klopp is content with rebuilding this team, then a top four finish this year with all these new players in new midfield is not a bad thing. No, that's, not at all. That's probably the next step after, you know, really struggling for large parts of last season after they failed yeah. to win the Champions League and the Premier League. And we have, we, we, I often forget, too, that that was only like a year and a half ago that they almost won the quadruple. Yeah. But... Since then, there's been a lot of roster turnover. They're yes. different players. He's kind of changing how they play with Trent and playing as like that kind of Pep-style fullback. So things are changing for Liverpool. And I agree with you. I don't think it's this year. But if you are looking at Liverpool and their two- to three-year plan from here, them getting back into the top four and solidifying a new core of players has to be the goal for this season, and I think they're getting there. Yeah. Oh, they'll achieve so that, that goal. that's what I'll, I'm at with Liverpool. I agree. Quickly on Luton, um, I think you're starting to see the atmosphere build at Kenilworth Road. Um, early in the season, like their first home game, like West Ham won away and kind of comfortably beat them 2-0. This was not comfortable against a much better team, and... If they have any chance of staying up, like we said, it's going to be down to home form. And especially the way some of these other teams are looking, you never know. I yeah. think I think it's a four-horse race, so one of these teams is going to make it. It could be them. It could be them. It could be, it which could would be. be an amazing story. It would and be. I think they have a better chance of staying up than a team like Burnley. I've seen Everton play both of those teams. Burnley and Vincent Company, another guy who's been stubborn yep. and hasn't been willing to change. Rob Edwards, uh, Edwards at uh, Luton is not afraid to go direct and play to this team's strengths, which isn't the most pretty. But, you know, you've got a guy like, you know, Andros Townsend in there now yep. who's just going to whip balls in to Morris and, um, you know, the other, I forget what the Ogbené. other guy's name. Uh, well, yeah, Osbene is the other winger. Yeah. There's another big center forward, I forget his name. Uh, you know, Ross Barkley even had a good game. He had so, a good, good play in that in the build-up to the goal. They're not, listen, it's not going to be pretty, but I think they have a better chance than, than a team like Burnley, who just stuck in the middle. Can't cre can't create. Yeah. Uh, have a lot of the ball, but don't do anything with it. Luton don't need the ball. Yeah. They'll they'll nick something, and yeah. that's and that's might keep you in the league. Yeah, it will. I I think we're gonna see some low points tallies. Yeah. Um, th this season. All right. Last uh, quick point of Prem review. Forest, another impressive win for them at the City Ground. They're really starting to build up form there. That was so crucial. Um, in how they stayed up last year, but now you're seeing an injection of even more quality, I think, into their team, and it's starting to show through the likes of Dominguez and Sangare in the midfield, especially. Um, you're seeing goal output going forward. Um, does Steve Cooper deserve a bit more credit? Because I think a lot of us criticize Forrest's board for handing Cooper a difficult yeah. task in all these players, and now it seems like back-to-back -back years, he's kind of been able to find the right formula with all these different guys. I think he deserves credit. I think he, you know, was talking about our segment the other week, under the radar. Yeah. He's kind of going under the radar I think, a bit. I think so, I, I was I was somewhat bullish on Forrest this season. I think they will stay up comfort, comfortably. Um, and a lot of that is down to, yes, it is down to Steve Cooper. I think you're right. He's found a formula that suits this team. And, you know, I'd like to point out a few individuals. I think Awanyi, mm -hmm. if he stays fit, that's a Premier League striker for you. Gets he, you 10 he, to 15 he's goals. Gonna, he's going to get you some good production. Um, you mentioned the midfield. 
looks really nicely balanced with Mangala, Sangare, Dominguez. You know, can can you keep, can you find your starting eleven, and can you keep them fit? I think if if Forrest can have a consistent run of games with this team, you know, with Alanga, Awanya, Gibbs White, even uh, you know Hudson Adoy. I think they'll be just fine, and I think Cooper deserves a lot of credit for that. I think, yeah, he's gone under the radar. Listen, they don't—they still, you know, despite all the signings, I look at their back line, I'm not super impressed. No. You know, with guys like, you know, Toffolo still there, kind of kicking around. and There's a lot of names there, and there's a lot of names that you have to keep happy. Maybe not everyone is happy, but they are getting results that will comfortably keep them in the league. Yeah. So beating, Cooper deserves yeah. credit for that. Yeah, beating Villa, um, beating Villa is a huge feat. Um, and I think the thing with Steve Cooper I want to talk about is when you have a team like Forrest who recently promoted, yes, they've spent a lot of money, but it's a team that is foundation is built in home form and like team unity. Yeah. And for him to kind of build this unified locker room with all of these different players coming in from everywhere, I think is arguably the most impressive thing, you know, he has done because, you know, it's not easy to have mercenary guys come in. Like they signed Keylor Navas on goal last in, on loan in goal last year, and I think what he's been able to create is an atmosphere that allows individuals to thrive in a system that he has created, and that's something that's really hard to do when you're a mid-table team because right. when you have a manager like Moyes at West Ham, it's all about kind of nullifying the other team, and and the players on your own team don't really show as much of their quality, but you see guys like Gibbs White have these inspirational moments. Awanyi comes through uh, to score the goals, and Sangari, I think, has been a great signing. Uh, I want to say Rip Matt Turner. I think he lost the starting mm, gig. Poor yeah, guy. yeah, they put in Black Because uh, he had a shaky game against Liverpool. Uh, so sorry for that. What Matt. a name, by the way. Odysseus Flacadimus. He sounds like he should be... It's brilliant. Yeah, he sounds like he's from the Iliad. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Something like exactly. that. Um, so shout out for Shout out Steve Cooper. Yeah. They're, the league is a better league in it with Forrest in it. I, I like the city and ground And the city ground, yeah. Just bouncing, great city. We're going to get there. We're well, going to the city we'll ground. Maybe we'll be there. Maybe yeah, we'll be yeah. there. That'd be great. All right, moving on to the random, uh, random, not so random, random segment of the week. We're going to do our hard man slash bastard combined 11. <laughs> slash bastard. <laughs> yeah. Last night, watching this Chelsea Spurs game where challenges were flying in like crazy, it just had me thinking. What is the 11 that we can create that is just, you don't want to play against them? All time. They're a bit, yeah, that is. All time. Good. They're a bit tasty, a bit feisty. Uh, so we're going to give our shouts and come together with a combined 11. <laughs> Let me say this. Not a lot of wingers I was able nope. to find. <laughs> I agree. In fact, none. <laughs> I was going to play a 4-4-2, and then I was like, you know what? I'm playing a 4-4-2. My entire midfield are all central. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That's, yeah, what, I, yeah. that's what I got. Okay, cool. All right, let's get going. Okay. Who do you have in goal? Goal your, was was tricky. There's an forward? there's an obvious shout, but I, I did some digging, watched some YouTube videos, and I stumbled upon a man by the name of Bert Troutman. That was <laughs> true. <laughs> he played for City okay. in the sixties. In he, the sixties? No, sorry, the fifties. Fifties. <laughs> yeah. okay. He fought in Russia with the German army. Oh my God. And he broke. So FA Cup final with City in 1956. He broke his neck but saw out the last 15 minutes of the match <laughs> and what made some big saves. So he's my guy. I, I I think I might know who you go for, but I that's one of my rogue shouts Okay, that's, that's a great pick. I respect yeah. the research. And I wouldn't have found him had I not stumbled upon this YouTube video from Football okay. Daily. Okay, all right, shout out Football Daily. My shout 
His antics forced FIFA to change a rule, which I think says a lot. Emmy Martinez in the World Cup was doing his dances, shaking his dingling around. FIFA didn't like it. Yeah. And they said, the goalkeeper can't, you basically can't do that. You have to go straight to your goal. I just think of him, whenever he saves a penalty, he's giving it to the crowd. He's always feisty. He's always protecting Messi. I don't know if he can fight in Russia and break no. a neck and continue, but he forced FIFA to change the rules because he was such a bastard yeah. and such... Ba bastard. He's, he's a, a bastard. Shit house. He's a shithouse. He, yeah, he's a bastard. He's not necessarily hard, but I, I like that shout. That's yeah. different to a lot of the guys I have. So I think we have to go with Troutman Trout now. Troutman I mean, is hard. He's on the front lines. <laughs> he's fighting in Germany. Okay. Um, I'll give you that Russia. one. Okay. I'll give you that one. All right, my right back, uh, maybe not a traditional right back, but he's played there a bit. I'm going with Jamie Carragher. Okay, interesting. Cara, he was feisty. Yeah. I remember, at the, ever, ever heard of the Wembley Cup? At the Wembley Cup, the YouTube game, he was playing in it, and he like elbowed Theo Baker, the YouTuber, yeah, like, yeah, in yeah. the game. And it was just like, it went, it went viral, and that's just him in a nutshell. He's like, yeah. been retired for a decade, and he's feisty. And you just think of someone who you want a scrap. Like, I want Kara in my on my side yeah. of my scrap. That's a good shout. I've gone for Boranislav Ivanovic. Okay. Serbian international, played right back and center back for yep. Chelsea, I know of course. Ivanovic, yep. uh, And the reason I picked him was, you know, first of all, looks like a scary he does. guy. He does. Also, famously bitten by Suarez. And what I liked mm. about this was he didn't roll around like most players would. He got up and just showed the referee the bite marks. Took it on the arm. He took it on the arm, exactly. So that's what I liked about him. Uh, so, yeah, Ivanovic was my nomination. Um... You know, uh, Carragher's a good shout. We can go with him. Okay, we'll go with Carragher at I'm right back. I'm happy to concede. Um, let's move to left back. This guy, his nickname is Psycho. Yeah, I've got him. You've got Stuart Pierce. Stuart Pierce. All right, so we've got Stuart Pierce in there. He was there. the only one I could find. Yep. Yeah. And he was at Man City for a while, was on uh, West Ham's coaching staff. He was part of a couple great years at West Ham. Uh, he was mental. Yeah. He would fly in with challenges. He would inflict pain. And that was, that was his thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tough tackling left back. I feel like that's a no-brainer. Stuart yeah. Pierce left yep. back. Easy. All right, this position's probably the one that has the most yeah, lots to consideration. Choose who do you have? Uh, who are a couple of your names? So you got? I've got two United guys. Okay, uh, so I think we've got one of them. Yap Stam. He was someone I thought of. But so didn't really aggressive center back. Looks scary, man. So Just scary. look at this guy. Uh, play for Man United, of course. Um, Bonus points for the skinhead. I mean, yeah. just just looks like a scary guy. So I've got Yap Stam, and I've got Nemanja Vidic. I have Vidic, Another too. Serbian, yeah. United legend, just strong, powerful, dominant in the air. Uh, I sort you know, my early days of football fandom, I can remember a bit of Vidic. But, um, I mean, he's just, you know, he's known for that. So he's a, he's a hard yeah, I feel like I'm, Vidic is in there because I've got him, too. Okay. My other nominee was Sergio Ramos, who I think... He's it, a maybe it's a bit more shit house bastard yeah. as opposed to hard because he's quite a, quite a handsome guy. He's got the flow yeah, and the he's beard. Cheeky. But he's cheeky. He's always picking up, if not red cards, devious. sneaky yellow cards. Really devious. Had that nasty yeah. foul on Salah in the uh, in the Champions League final in 2017, where he I think dislocated his shoulder or what, what whatever it was. He's he's a hard man. I think. I'm yeah. a, I'm okay with Yapstam and Vidic though. Okay. Yeah. I'll take those. I think I think they're I think Sergio Ramos is he's probably yeah, you're right. He's more of a shit house than he is a hard yes. man. I think yeah, I think that's probably the best way to put it. Yeah. Okay, moving on to midfield. I think we just go for four midfielders and yeah. two forwards. Yeah, I've got two strikers and a sort of diamond of yeah, hard that's what midfielders. I got. All right, so I'll do my first two. Okay. 
I have Roy Keane. Me too. Famous for breaking uh, Erling Holland's dad's leg in a gruesome challenge, really ugly, dark, dark yeah. challenge. Broke his leg. I think it ended his career, maybe. Alfie and Holland. Uh, and my other shot was Gattuso. Yeah, I've got Gattuso. Gattuso, even as a manager, you just feel he's hard. He's just His everything about him. The Rhino. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so just a hard. Have to be the captain of this team. Energetic player. Uh, he actually he faced off with Spurs' assistant coach in that semifinal. Joe Jordan, who's also a hard mm. guy, apparently. And he was the guy who, who grabbed his neck. Yep. Gattuso grabs his neck and then headbutts. Yeah, <laughs> so wild. Just, so do we both have Keane and Gattuso? Yeah, they're both in my okay, diamond. Uh, yeah, Roy Keane. You, you got to have him in here. Got to he, have him. 13 red cards. Come on. That's his job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was un honestly like underrated in no, terms I, of ability, yes. too. Very good player. I think his punditry career has kind of overshadowed his yeah. playing career. Because yes. of the day and age we live in, he's always about... You know, Pogba, is he doing enough? <laughs> <laughs> got to play for the shirt. Yeah, well, speaking of which, I didn't include him, but Graham Souness, kind of another kind of guy. Oh, that's a good shout. I didn't, uh, I didn't include him. Okay. All right, next two. Okay. So one, I'm just not going to include. I was thinking of a winger, wingers, and this guy is kind of more like a Brexit winger. We actually touched on him already in the show. Andros Townsend. <laughs> I'm just thinking of a guy who, nice. like, yeah, he's not, I'm not going to include him. Yeah. Um, but one other guy I did have was Joey Barton. Ooh. Good Dirty one. player. Uh, loved a red card. Always got stuck in. He's one of my nominees. But who did you have okay. as your other two midfielders? Um, Vinny Jones, who played for Chelsea and Wimbledon and famously grabbed Paul Gascoigne's balls. Oh, so colorful. He received uh, the quickest booking ever, three seconds. <laughs> yeah. And he now is in a ton of action movies. He uses his hard looks really? to his advantage. Yeah, Vinny Jones, look him up. He's uh, he's Vinny in all Jones. these like kind of like Mission Impossible-esque movies. Hmm. Probably is the bad guy. Uh, so yeah, I don't know much about his playing career, to be honest, but I know he grabbed Gaza's balls and uh, is quite the hard man. Shout so out. He was one of my guys. And then my other guys, um, Thomas Gravison, former Everton player, Danish international, uh, finished fourth with us in 2004-2005. Reportedly a member of a Danish white gang. Okay, so we don't condone that. <laughs> But, um, <laughs> it's like a twist. But he was known for, you know, wasn't, uh, didn't shy away from confronting his own teammates. He, I think he ended up at Madrid, too, after Everton. Somehow they took him. Um, so, yeah, another skinhead. Uh, just looks like one of those, just looks like a Viking, kind of. You know, he's just, he's a, he's a hard man, for sure. Okay. Tommy Gravison. The Everton fans loved him. <laughs> Not because of the white <laughs> Say, think, take that what you will. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, so who do we want to partner Keen and Gattuso? Okay, it's funny, Gattuso is probably the most attacking of my... Yeah. Like, another shout-out to Vieira. Vieira is someone I he consider. He stood up to Keen. Yes, he did. And, and I think actually has one more red card than him in his career. Okay. I think I stumbled upon that in my research. So, so are we um, going with the Danish guy? What's his name? Gravison. Gravison. And then who, who are yours again? Joey Barton. Oh, Joey Barton. Joey Barton's a good show. Well, we'll take Joey Barton and... Joey Barton and Thomas Gravison. Okay, Gravison, along with Keane and Gattuso. I mean, you're not getting past that midfield. Oh you're not God. coming out alive. You're not coming out alive. All right, my front two. So I've went with... Yeah. Big Duncan Ferguson. Same. Okay, okay, there we He's go. He's got to be in it. He's got to be in it. Yeah. I mean, as a manager, interim or not, as a player, yeah. he just stood up. Definition of a hard Definitions. man. Definition. Scottish, headbutted an opponent, yeah. spent three months in prison. 
Uh, he's got four arrests to his name. <laughs> I did not know that. <laughs> 73 goals and nearly 300 games. The bagsman. Come on. Also subbed Moise Keen on and then off in the same game. <laughs> yes, that's right. That's right. <laughs> Nicknamed Duncan Disorderly. Yeah. I mean, that says, that says it everything. All. He also, I didn't even know this. He put a burglar in the hospital for catching them in his house. Jeez oh, Louise. Unbelievable. What yeah. a player. Yeah. Uh, all right, so Ferguson's in. Who yeah. was your other option? Uh, so thought about a few guys. Went with Mario Mandzukic. Ooh. He was quickly moved on from Bayern when Pep came in. Yeah. <laughs> which kind of says a lot. Had a decent career, though. Good Stuck career. around at Juve. World Cup final. Yep. Yeah, Juventus, Bayern, um, other teams. Uh, left the field uh, bloody after clashing with Carvajal in a Madrid derby when he was playing for Atletico. Just, you know, six foot three, battering ram of a striker. Yep. Uh, also famously squared up with Daniela De Rossi mm. against Roma. So he he, he was my, another sneaky shout for me. I went with Zlatan because Ooh, I think Zlatan, he was yeah. just imposing, intimidating, wasn't afraid to get amongst it, but he was also brilliant. Like yeah. He was just a world-class striker. We probably need a bit of finesse in this yeah. team. Yeah, yeah. Duncan and, and, and Zlatan. Dude. What a pairing that oh is. Oh, my God. Dude, they would clash. They would, clash. They they would, would. probably yeah. clash. They would get, get in each fight. other's way. Yes, 100%. Yeah. Uh, but it'd be brilliant. It would be brilliant. Yeah. All right, we'll so go with Zlatan. We'll go with Zlatan and Ferguson. Let's, let's, let's work backwards. So okay. Ferguson and Zlatan leading the line. Yeah. In the midfield, we've got Keane, Gattuso, Barton, and, and Gravison. Gravison, who will not speak about his extracurricular activities. It's allegedly, I don't know. Uh, allegedly. <laughs> In defense, I think we went with Carragher at right back, Stuart yep. Pierce at left back, and then I think Vidic and Yapstam is our two center halves. And so my boy, flair. Bert Troutman in goal. Big old Never Bert Troutman in goal. Today, but He's yeah. on the front lines, on play front with a broken lines. neck. I mean, you, you don't get much more hard <laughs> than that. Insane, dude. What an 11. Yeah. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, this segment. All right, that's going to do it uh, for this episode of The Inswinger. We'll be back next week, probably with some Champions League to uh, to talk about, as well as some Prem Review. Not sure what games we've got this weekend, but we'll be sure to talk about those. Uh, but until then, thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.